one of my listeners wrote to me and said something so brilliant. I guess Billy Bragg is commenting on this idiot Oliver Anthony and his folk song, Rich Man, North of Richmond. My listener wrote to me and said, not one mention of unions, right? No, so, you know, pick on the five foot three, 300 pound person uh, gaming food stamps, but no mention of uh, unions. Well, Republican candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, speaking of somebody who won't be talking about unions, Republican candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, graduate of Harvard Law School, and he'll be at the debate Wednesday night. He says he's not a 9-11 truther. He made it clear. He gave an interview. He said he was a 9-11 truther. He says he's not a 9-11 truther. He just wants answers. The same way he wants answers as to how many FBI agents were among the people who stormed the Capitol on January 6th. But Ramaswamy says, hey, I'm just asking questions. I'm not a truther. You're a liar. You're not a truther. You're a liar, Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy is also reportedly telling friends that he complains to the head of Newsmax that he wasn't getting any coverage on that right wing news channel. Ramaswamy tells friends that the head of Newsmax told him, if you want coverage, you got to buy ad time. Newsmax is being sued by Dominion voting machines as well as Smartmatic voting machines for having Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell spread lies about voting machines on their network. If you remember, Dominion got three quarters of a billion dollars from Fox in a defamation lawsuit. Fox is now being sued by Smartmatic for close to three billion, all because they allowed people like Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani to spread lies about election fraud. Is anybody going to sue Donald Trump for a couple of billion dollars? Well, one person is reportedly dead after Hurricane Hillary slammed into Mexico in Southern California. Hillary, the first hurricane to hit Los Angeles in 84 years, Hillary dropped two years worth of rain in 48 hours. A federal judge has ruled that in order to copyright art, it must be made by a human being thereby cutting into the potential profits for studios who hope to start making cartoons using artificial intelligence. Was Walt Disney a human being? I know he was uh, anti-union, red-baiting anti-Semite. Was he human? Can, can we just, is he entitled to copyright protections? Bernardo Adavallo, again, Somebody told me it's pronounced that way. Uh, Bernard Adovado won the presidency of Guatemala on Monday in an election marred by the assassination a few weeks ago. One of that country's candidates whose platform called for an end to corruption. President-elect Adovado also ran, promising to fight corruption. He won with a 60 percent landslide, but his transition will not be smooth. And there is no guarantee right-wing forces won't do everything they can to prevent him from taking office. You know, like in other banana republics, as in here, the United States of America. Well, eight countries, including Ecuador, uh, share the Amazon rainforests. And the Amazon rainforests are considered our planet's lungs. They, the, the rainforests breathe in carbon dioxide and... They either store it in the soil or breathe the carbon dioxide back out in the way of oxygen. On Sunday, voters in Ecuador rejected in a national referendum plans to open a portion of the Amazon for oil drilling. Sixty percent of the voters in Ecuador sided with the indigenous people living near the proposed drilling site and said, leave it in the ground. Thanks to my listener, Yara Zoom, one of my listeners, uh, they pointed out uh, that Abigail Weinberg over at Mother Jones is reporting that Chris Christie this weekend said he would support a federal investigation looking into who's funding the protests against Cop City in Atlanta, Georgia. For months, demonstrators have been trying to stop the police from 
destroying forests in Atlanta and replacing it with a nearly $100 million training facility for cops that would end up destroying one of the last great inner city forests in America. The protest has been going on since 2021. In January of this year, a state trooper shot a cop city protester to death, claiming the protester fired first. But witnesses claim otherwise. Twelve cop city protesters are now being charged with domestic terrorism. Mother Jones says protesters want the voters of Atlanta to decide with a referendum on whether Cop City should go ahead. The vote to stop Cop City coalition was told it needed close to 60,000 signatures to get the question on the ballot for November. According to The Intercept, the vote to stop Cop City coalition has collected 104,000 signatures to get the question on the ballot. So you need close to 60,000 signatures. The vote to stop Cop City coalition got 104,000 signatures, way more than enough. That is democracy in action, right? Something to wave in the faces of Trump and his 18 co-conspirators as they come down to Atlanta to be arraigned for trying to steal an election. Obviously, Atlanta, the people of Georgia and their leadership stand for democracy and voter integrity. They're going to put this question on the ballot in November because they believe every vote should be counted. The people must be heard. That's why Donald Trump and his co-conspirators were indicted. Not so fast. According to The Intercept, the city clerk of Atlanta is slow walking the process by engaging in a questionable procedure known as signature verification. So that referendum doesn't look like it's going to make it to the ballot. The attempts to slow down the signature verifications on the petition is getting the support from both Democrats and Republicans who hold office. Yeah, they, they both the mayor, the, the, the state attorney, everybody in Atlanta wants Cop City. So they're doing everything they can to keep the question from being on the ballot. Uh, they said there's an emphatically uh, no way the question of Cop City or not Cop City will ever be put to a vote by the citizens of Atlanta. The Intercept says Atlanta's Democratic mayor. Andre Dickens supports Cop City and he opposes the referendum. And he says of the petitions to get the question on the ballot, quote, well, we know that this is going to be unsuccessful if it's done honestly. Hmm. Where have I heard that before? Oh, yeah. Donald Trump, who his city just indicted. Remember Donald Trump saying the only way I lose is if there's fraud and the Democratic mayor of Atlanta, Andre Dickens is saying, well, the only way the referendum makes it to the ballot is if there's fraud. Mm -hmm. The Atlanta protests against Cop City in many ways are reminiscent of Occupy Wall Street in that there is no central command. And yet Marjorie Taylor Greene and other Republican thugs insist the protests for cop against Cop City are funded by Antifa, which, according to FBI Director Christopher Wray, doesn't exist. But that doesn't stop the right wing in Atlanta to accuse Antifa of being behind the anti-Cop City protests. Did I mention that the head of the FBI said under oath that Antifa doesn't exist? Have I ever told you that? Antifa doesn't exist. But during an interview over the weekend, Chris Christie said he would, as president, recommend a RICO prosecution to see who's funding these anti-cop city protests. Yes, someone is funding the protests to save the trees and to, to stop the building of Cop City because it's incomprehensible to a Republican like Chris Christie that people would protest for free. Someone must be paying them. It's unimaginable that citizens of Atlanta don't want to waste $100 million, don't want to destroy pristine forest, 
to build a training center for cops when what the people of Atlanta really need are fewer cops and more social workers. Somebody must be paying these protesters. People just don't realize that all by themselves. It can't possibly be an actual grassroots uprising from people who care about their neighborhood. Well, I'm going to be talking about Fulton County Jail in a few minutes, so let me get this straight so I understand what's going on in Atlanta. Atlanta, as we all know, has a jail, Fulton County Jail, that's overcrowded, where inmates die something like once a month. There's a bed bug infestation. They can't deliver health care. And yet, in their infinite wisdom, the leaders of Atlanta want to give $100 million to the cops so they can build a training center to shove more people into that Fulton County Jail, right? The Fulton County Jail, you're going to be hearing about it in the lead up to these arraignments. The Fulton County Jail, you already have inmates sleeping on the floor, right? Half of them, according to the ACLU, haven't even been indicted or charged. They have no idea what they're doing inside that jail. But Atlanta is going to spend $100 million so cops can learn how to shove more people in there. Just keep arresting and arresting. You know, don't, no social workers, just keep rounding them up and shove them in there. Fulton County is a human rights disaster. That jail is a human rights disaster. I showed you the pictures of the jail cells Last week, I'm going to show them again later on. I got to warn you, this is third world feculence. It's uh, the conditions in Fulton County Jail is what an American president would use as justification to invade another country. Remember Uday and Kusay's rape rooms in Iraq? You know, we, we have to go in and, and liberate the people of Baghdad from these horrible prisons. I'll show you pictures later. Uh, if you saw these pictures, but they said this is a jail cell in a country known as, I don't know, people of color stan, where, you know, you, we, we have no problem bombing a country named people of color stan. Uh, if a president said, look, what's what look at the prison conditions in in this country, people of color stand, Americans would say we need to bomb people of color stand. There are people of color living there and they're being abused by their leader. We need to drop bombs on people of color stand. We need to liberate the people of color stand by bombing them indiscriminately and killing innocent mothers and children. We must save them. I'm going to show you the pictures of Fulton County Jail. You've probably seen them already. This is a human rights disaster. Why is Atlanta building cop city? They're going to spend $100 million dollars to train cops when they don't have the money to in, improve the, uh, the jails. Meanwhile, Governor Ron DeSantis is trying to out-tough Chris Christie. During an interview over the weekend, the odious Ron DeSantis, who should rot in hell, said the people coming over the border are all part of drug cartels and when he's president, he's going to give his immigration officers permission to shoot first and ask questions later. If the immigration, if custom, if border patrol officers even think these immigrants are carrying fentanyl, they have orders to shoot them. Here, listen to how tough Ron DeSantis is. This is how this is a man. This is what a man is. So we are going to authorize the use of deadly force against the cartels. If you have somebody coming in with the fentanyl on their in the backpack, they even break through the border wall where there is wall. Uh, if they're doing that, uh, that's the last thing they, they're going to be able to do because we're going to leave them stone cold dead at the border. We're not putting up with it anymore. Yeah, mic drop. Yeah. Mic drop. Let me hear that again. I got the chills. He's a man. Stone cold dead at the border. Yeah, yeah. You know what else is stone cold dead? Your chances of still being in this race by Christmas. 
stone cold dead. Yeah. Well, <sighs> wow. The first Republican 2024 presidential debate is this week. It's Wednesday. It takes place on Fox News. It will be broadcast from the battleground state of Wisconsin. Trump will not be there, but nine Republicans will share the stage. Nine Republicans, that's only 11 shy of a criminal indictment. As I said on yesterday's show, Chris Christie will be picking on Trump, even though he won't be there. And Chris Christie will be picking on all the other candidates. Let me list them. Tim Scott, you got your Chris Christie, you got your Doug Burgum, you got your Asa Hutchinson, who threw a couple hundred thousand people off Medicaid and killed them when he was governor of Arkansas. But he's the, uh, the gentler, kinder Republican. You got Perry Johnson, who I'm voting for. You got uh, Ron DeSantis. You got Vivek Ramaswamy, Mike Pence, and Nikki Haley. They're all, it's too crowded. It's going to be too crowded. But Chris Christie will be the only one going after Trump. And he'll be going after the rest of the candidates for not going after Trump. But the other candidates will be piling on Ron DeSantis. Because next to Trump, he is the perceived front runner, and they're too frightened of Donald Trump. So they're really going to pile on Ron DeSantis. But, you know, Ron DeSantis, he's not worried. Here is Ron DeSantis wearing so much makeup he could get arrested for using the wrong bathroom in Florida. Here is Ron DeSantis telling us he's not afraid. In terms of the debate, look. When you're, I know from the military, when you're over the target, that's when you're taking flag. You don't know shit from the military. You were a JAG officer. Take your stolen valor and shove it where the, the sun don't shine. You have zero military service. You were a JAG officer. Uh, you know, from the military, I know from the military, when you're over the target, that's when you're taking flack. Really? You know that from the military? Not from your military service. You mean from watching 12 o'clock high on Turner Classic Movies or Top Gun or Tora, Tora, Tora. Stop lying about your war record. Well, you are lying about your war record because you're a, you're a war criminal. OK, you're a war criminal. Showtime won't run the documentary about you. You were a JAG officer, which means you were a lawyer who wanted to burnish his war record by his, his resume, not his war record. You have no war record. You wanted to burnish your resume by playing dress up inside the green zone of Iraq or down at Guantanamo Bay. You have zero war record. You never saw any action. You didn't get any combat medals, right? This is stolen valor, this shit you're pulling. And real combat veterans hate you for it. And every time I go after you for this, I get thank you notes from real veterans, not Harvard Law School or Yale Law School graduates who wanted to enhance their political credibility by getting pictures of themselves dressed up as soldiers while shuffling papers safely behind the green zone. You, you were a JAG officer, okay? You took part in court martials. And I think you're a war criminal, but Showtime won't run the documentary exposing your work at Gitmo as a lawyer who told, who told the CIA, and we know this is true, you told the CIA that force-feeding detainees was perfectly legal. It's not. It's called force-feeding. It's torture. The U.N., the Geneva Conventions call it torture. Just because you call something nice, like force feeding, it's not nice. It's not about feeding. It's about force. It's about shoving a feeding tube up a detainee's rectum till they scream with pain. And according to the reporting on this, several detainees say JAG officer Ron DeSantis was laughing while bearing witness to all this. Hard to believe that Ron DeSantis, who is governor, has executed six prisoners in the past six months, could be a sadist. Stone cold dead. Yeah, stone cold dead. You're a man. Uh, 
How does your uh, wife describe your schwanz? Stone cold dead. Yeah, stone cold dead. And what do you smell like? And what does your wife smell like? Duty. Yeah. Hey, I found a clip of Donald Trump being tough from 2017. And I thought I'd share it with you. Here is Donald Trump being tough with the cops, Long Island cops, back in July of uh, 2017, his first year in office. He was spending his first year in office trying to overturn Obamacare. Didn't have a replacement. Doesn't matter. So to distract everyone from the fact that they were all about to lose Obamacare and die, he decided to warn us about MS-13. That's a criminal gang that uh, he tried to convince us was more dangerous than that other criminal gang, United Healthcare. Uh, you know, there are only about 10,000 members of MS-13. Now, I, I'm not saying MS-13 is not a problem, but they don't murder people at the volume that United Healthcare does, which is run by Sir Andrew Witte of uh, United Healthcare. Sir Andrew Witte, a Brit who uh, can't do to the Brits what he does to Americans. This is serial killer. Sir Andrew Witte, the CEO of United Healthcare, way more dangerous than anybody, than all. He's murdered more people than all the MS-13 gang members combined. Serial killer Sir Andrew Witte, CEO of United Healthcare, murderer, last name Witte. Anyway, Trump gave a speech in 2017 to New York cops out on Long Island. And he told all these white cops that they should go after the gangs, go after MS-13. There's a problem with MS-13. Get them, white cops out in Long Island. And here is what Tr Trump told these white New York cops to do when they're arresting gang members. And when you see these towns and when you see these thugs being thrown into the back of a paddy wagon, you just see them thrown in rough. I said, please don't be too nice. Like when you guys put somebody in the car and you're protecting their head, you know, the way you put their hand off. Like, don't hit their head and they've just killed somebody. Don't hit their head. I said, you can take the hand away, okay? What's with the white glove service? What is this? What are they, concierges, too? Why are they wearing white gloves? Would you, would you like a broom handle shoved up your rectum, or would you like me to smash you across the face with it? And then I can recommend an off-Broadway play that you and your family might enjoy. Why are they wearing white gloves? I thought that's what concierges do. Yeah, don't be so nice. And they're, they're the white cops from Long Island applauding. Hey, the president just gave us permission to, to celebrate police, police brutality, because that's not an issue in uh, New York or in Long Island. Like the, uh, the city of New York hasn't uh, had to spend uh, two or three billion dollars in the past 10 years uh, settling claims of police brutality. Now, it's really smart to tell cops have at it. Uh, the cops applauding police brutality Yay, we can rough up suspects. Something, something to keep in mind down in Georgia this week when Donald Trump is being fingerprinted, right? Don't be so nice. Don't be so nice. Might be, you know, might be nice to see him uh, treated the way he gave permission to those white cops in Long Island to behave. What do you think? Is he going to get a mugshot? We'll see. So, as I said at the top of the show, all last week, uh, I talked and I will talk about the conditions in Fulton County Jail, where Trump and his co-defendants will be turning themselves in. I talked about the conditions. Now, last year, 15 inmates were found dead in Fulton County Jail. So far this year, seven have died. The ACLU says half the inmates there have yet to be charged or indicted. What, what country is this? Oh, yeah, America. What's going on inside Fulton County Jail, 
is no different from what's going on inside going on inside Rikers Island here in New York City, where 15 inmates died in 2021. It's Rikers Island is described as a Dickensian insane asylum, where instead of treating mental illness here in New York City, the police just warehouse the mentally ill. They just throw them into Rikers Island, just shove them in there, just just shove them in there. And so the crimes committed against these men and women in Fulton County Jail or on Rikers Island here in Manhattan, well, they're just as unspeakable as the crimes that Donald Trump and his 18 co-conspirators committed, allegedly. Yeah, I gain, I have much sadistic satisfaction thinking about Harvard Law School graduates or Rudy, Donald Trump, John Eastman, getting a taste of how, how the other half live. I'm going to show you these pictures here. This is from Fulton County Jail. You may want to avert your eyes because that's what America does when somebody presents incontrovertible evidence that we're a sadistic nation. So you probably want to avert your eyes. You don't want to see this. You certainly can't teach this in Florida. This is Alan Weisselberg. He worked for 50 years with Donald Trump. He was Donald Trump's right hand. Uh, I won't, I'm not going to say it. You figure it out. He was Donald Trump's right hand. Uh, anybody? Uh, Alan Weisselberg was... Uh, uh, was Donald Trump's right hand for 50 years. And he was, uh, if you remember, indicted in July of 2021, along with two of Trump's companies for defrauding the government. He pled guilty and ended up being sentenced to five months on Rikers Island. He served 100 days, and I think he's pushing 80. And I remember I know a lot of people who were thinking, good, good. Rikers Island. I was salivating over Alan Weisselberg going to Rikers Island. Oh, maybe Trump will be next. Uh, he's going to get to see what it's like. But then I realized Alan Weisselberg works for the Trump organization. He knows exactly what Rikers Island is like. He's stayed at the bed bug infested Trump owned Doral in Miami. He's he's seen these kind of conditions. He knows Read the uh, health department reports about the Doral in Miami owned by Donald Trump. Oh, does he own it? No. I think the bed bugs, the cockroaches have a bigger stake in the Doral than Donald Trump does. Anyway, Alan Weisselberg came out of Rikers and nothing changed. Inmates still dying on Rikers, right? We had a rich... MFR, go to Rikers, and uh, nothing's changed on Rikers. Supposedly, they're going to build the world's tallest prison in uh, near Chinatown to replace Rikers Island. It's going to be the, a skyscraper, and it's just going to be a prison. So that's, they're anticipating a lot of arrests in New York City. That's what we have to look forward to. More cops, more jails, load them all in. No social workers, no free tuition at uh, public universities, no free mental health care, just more cops and bigger prisons. What a great country we've turned out to be. Here's a clip from MSNBC. This is Jill Wine Banks. And oh, how they love her on MSNBC. She's a former Watergate prosecutor. Here she is talking about Trump and his 18 co-defendants. They're going to experience Fulton County Jail. And watch the way the smiles on their face. There's Jennifer Rubin, the odious Jennifer Rubin, a never-Trumper from the Washington Post. Watch how they kind of smile and smirk, how pleased and self-satisfied they are that Trump and his 18 co-defendants are going to get to see what Fulton County Jail is like. And 
listen to Jill Wine Banks, Watergate prosecutor. Listen to how she talks about the conditions of Fulton County Jail as though that's just the state of nature and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, And let's just enjoy the fact that these 19 defendants are briefly, very briefly, going to experience what the rest of us experience when we get locked up. But the cavalier tone about Fulton County Jail, as though it's, you know, it's like Mount Rushmore. We built it and there's, you know, there's nothing we can do. It's it's set in stone and this is the way the conditions are and there's nothing you can do about it. Trump, the 18 other co-defendants, they must surrender in Fulton County by Friday. How is this process in Georgia going to be different from what we've seen in federal court? It's going to be very different because they have said that they are going to do mugshots and fingerprints. And he will be turning himself in at the Fulton County Jail, not in a federal building, not in a clean, nice environment. It is, from what we hear from the press, a really... uh, dirty, dangerous, scary place. So it's going to be a very different picture. And I think the picture of him there, I think his experience of being in a real jail, I can tell you that some of the Watergate defendants, when they were put in the D.C. jail, really freaked out. And we had to move them to a um, army base where they could be housed without being in fear at all times so that they could cooperate and testify. Mm. A a dirty, dangerous, scary place. His experience of being in a real uh, real jail. And then she talks about the Watergate trials. And she said, we had to move the Watergate defendants. We had to move them to an army base so they wouldn't live in fear. Hmm. Interesting. So she's saying the D.C. jail back in 73 was a horror show. I know when I was arrested... They, they said to me, shut your mouth and we'll send you to the D.C. jail. That's the last thing you want. So it's still a horror show. Even Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, the J- January Sixers are being housed in the D.C. jail. It's a horror show. It was a horror show in 1973 and 74 when they were prosecuting the Nixon White House. But somehow the members of the Nixon White House were transferred to an army base so they would cooperate. Hmm. You know, the anchor person should have said, well, why wouldn't they cooperate if they stayed inside the D.C. jail? I mean, aren't they more likely to cooperate in the D.C. jail? Why are you protecting them? Now, what she leaves out is that we wanted to protect white men primarily lawyers, wealthy ones at that, who worked in the Nixon White House. We wanted to protect white male lawyers from the realities of the criminal justice system they created. And you get a sense that she delights, as we all do, in the fantasy of these 19 defendants being exposed to the Fulton County Jail. But all of us, you know, we all have bloodlust, but we're all missing the bigger point. Nobody, nobody in America should be exposed to that jail. Nobody should have to live in a cell covered in filth and cockroach and rat excrement. Nobody except Rudy and Trump. And those other uh, 17 co-defendants, they should rot in that jail for months. But these jails are a disgrace. And this conversation about the jails exposes that, that our jails, our prisons have nothing to do with restorative justice. It's purely punitive except for rich white men and rich white women. Half the men inside that Fulton County jail have yet to be charged. How is that possibly legal? How is it legal? Raider Online has an exclusive report that Donald Trump's 53-year-old KGB handler, 
who has been part of a 50-year sleeper cell sent to America by Leonid Brezhnev to install a useful idiot inside the Oval Office, Melania is now threatening to divorce the ex-president. Apparently, she is furious. This is true. Uh, the other stuff about her being a KGB handler, also true. Uh, but uh, she's furious with Donald Trump and has secretly accused him of using their 17-year-old child, Barron, as a political pawn. Apparently, he's crossed a line with her. Radar Online says Melania has repeatedly demanded that the son not be mentioned ever. But both Donald Trump and Eric Trump have evoked his name at one point proposing a debate between Barron and Hunter Biden and another time complaining that the FBI searched Barron's underwear drawers looking for classified documents. We keep hearing that refrain in Melania does not like that. Melania and Donald reportedly live separate lives. She in New York City, while he goes back and forth between Mar-a-Lago and his Bedminster golf course in New Jersey. You know, if there's a divorce, it may be the only source of income for Donald. Maybe she, she would have to pay the support He's broke. Well, let's look one more time at the grave of Donald Trump's first KGB handler, Ivana Trump, who died last year after being pushed down a flood. No, I no, I read that right. She was pushed down. Oh, fall. She fell down a flight of stairs. I'm sorry. After she was pushed. No, she. She fell down a flight of steps. Okay, that's the official, because people are saying there's talk, questions are being raised. But if you say she fell down a flight of stairs, I have no reason to think that Donald Trump had anybody push her down a flight of steps. I mean, that's what people are saying. That's the talk. And I'm just asking questions. Was Ivana Trump pushed down a flight of steps. Who knows? And will we ever really know the answer to that question? This is footage. This is actual footage from the Daily Mail. I played it last week. How can this not be the first question you asked Donald Trump? How can you do this to the mother of your three idiot kids? This is a pauper's grave. I mean, if you're not going to show respect for Ivana, at least show some respect for the thousands of classified documents you buried alongside of her. I mean, people worked very hard on those war plans, and they deserve more than pretty much an, an unmarked grave, former President Donald Trump. How could you do that to your ex-KGB handler? Yeah, I'm just a wise guy. Governor DeSantis, anything you'd like to say? Duty. Yeah, duty. Okay. As most of you know, Trump has agreed to surrender to the Fulton County, Georgia District Attorney sometime this week. I think it's going to be Thursday. I think it's going to be Thursday. And he's agreed to post a $200,000 bond. Jenna Ellis was one of the lawyers who traveled around the country with Rudy Giuliani immediately after the 2020 presidential election, promoting the election fraud lie. She's a liar, and she admitted before a disciplinary board that she lied about election fraud. And she was censured in Colorado for this. And then she walked out of the hearing and denied that she admitted that she lied because she's a liar. Last Monday, she became, Jenna Ellis, became one of the 19 people indicted for election interference and racketeering in Georgia. It is becoming increasingly apparent that Donald Trump's Save America PAC will not be footing the bills for any of the defendants in that trial. You know, other than paying his legal fees and uh, waiving some of that money in front of anybody who uh, wants to keep quiet. So last week, I reported that special counsel Jack Smith interviewed Rudy's former police commissioner, uh, 
tax cheat and convicted felon Bernard Carrick, former police commissioner of uh, New York City under uh, Rudy Giuliani. Ended up going to prison. Tax cheat. Convicted felon. Used uh, after 9-11, New York City had an apartment near Ground Zero, so all the first responders could go in there and take naps and showers. But uh, Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick was using the apartment to cheat on his wife. Tax cheat, convicted felon, police commissioner under Rudy Giuliani, Bernard Carrick. Yeah, there is justice sometimes. Anyway, Rudy hired Bernard Carrick to travel around the country and plant evidence of voter fraud immediately after the 2020 presidential election. That was the plan. Bernie said, come on, Bernard, former police commissioner, we're going to travel around the battleground states and you do what you do best, plant evidence. Right? Who's better at planting evidence than a New York City police commissioner? But Bernard Carrick is pissed off because he hasn't been paid for his work. And neither has Rudy. Rudy only got $350,000. That's it. Trump's Save America PAC paid Rudy $350,000. Rudy says he charges $20,000 a day. He's been working for Donald Trump since election, before Election Day 2020. All he got was $350,000, which is pretty much his bar bill at the Mark Hotel on a Friday night. Trump's Save America PAC has taken in hundreds of millions of dollars, and all they gave to Rudy was $350,000 for travel and hotels. Nothing for Bernard Carrick. Is that any way to treat a convicted tax cheat and felon? Well, Donald did pardon him, so that is priceless. Why, you know, those pardons go for what, $1 million, $2 million? So I don't know why Bernard Carrick is complaining they didn't get paid. You owe Donald Trump money. That was like a $2 million pardon. Bernard Carrick, former police commissioner of New York City, testified before special counsel Jack Smith's grand jury. And he's trying to help Jack Smith. There's there's some confusion about the Save America PAC. Uh, Right after Election Day and up until maybe Christmas, Trump raised north of $250 million for his Save America PAC. It was like in three weeks. By Christmas time, 2020, small donors, or as I like to call them, imbeciles, gave Donald Trump $250 million in a matter of weeks to help who they thought To be a billionaire, uh, they gave their hard-earned cash to a purported billionaire to help him investigate voter fraud, right? This is right after Election Day. Three weeks, $250 million. Wire fraud, by the way. And nobody knows where the money went. $250 million. Nobody knows. Nobody knows where the money went. Probably, uh, I would check with a Russian oligarch. We all know, uh, one of my listeners calls it stealing from the mob, which just, you know, I, I was talking about how he was laundering money, Trump laundered money. But one of my listeners just put it very simply, he stole from the mob. And when you steal for the mob, when you steal from the mob, You know Trump stole from the mob. He's a money launderer. He sees a pile of money. He's got to keep keep it from himself. And Russian oligarchs, they don't work. There's no Roy. You can't say, get me my Roy Cohn. All the money coming in to Donald Trump is going to the Russian oligarchs because he stole from the mob, the wrong mob, the Russian mob. Anyway. Trump had Jenna Ellis as one of his lawyers, and she was one of the lawyers indicted last week. And I told you she was disciplined by the Colorado Law Board for lying about election fraud. 
She is now openly complaining that she's on her own. Nobody's helping her. And she's wondering why the MAGA movement isn't putting together some legal fund to help her pay her legal fees. It's always sad when lawyers can't afford their legal fees. It's, it's somebody peeling onions. My eyes are, are welling up. There's a lawyer <laughs> who's getting reamed by legal fees. That's so sad. It's kind of like Fulton County Jail. We need to have a serious conversation about the prisons in our country and that lawyers are scumbags and everybody deserves representation and their day in court, but only people who can afford it get justice. So uh, as much as it pleases me, that Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani can't afford lawyers, it speaks volumes to how corrupt lawyers are and what a racket they've got going. You have to pay for justice in America, right? Anyway, she's got nobody to pay her legal fees, so I don't know if you know who Matt Schlapp is. Very sweet man. He's the chairman of the American Conservative Union. He runs CPAC. And that's him with his wife, Mercedes. And let me tell you something about Matt Schlapp. He would never, ever cheat on Mercedes, at least not with a woman. Anyway, Matt Schlapp, he cares. He's very sensitive. Matt Schlapp is very upset that uh, Trump is not footing the legal bill for these defendants, even though he's kind of a Trump supporter. So he has a solution. He's a problem solver. He was groping for a solution. He, you know, he pounded his junk trying to figure out how that, that didn't track. He, he reached across. Uh, so he has a solution. Matt Schlapp is now encouraging all the Republican challengers to drop out of the race. Just get behind Trump. He wants everybody to get behind Donald Trump because I think he's behind Trump or I think he wants to be behind Trump or maybe he wants Trump to be behind him or maybe they can take turns being behind each other. All I'm saying is Matt Schlapp, family man, good Christian values, he has a solution. He's saying everybody drop out so that the candidates' war chests could be used to pay the legal fees for Donald Trump's lawyers and co-conspirators, right? Isn't that a great idea? This is why he's the head of CPAC, because it's all about bringing people together in a car in, in Georgia uh, when your wife isn't there with another man. Uh, he brings people together. That's what he does with CPAC. Uh, so his idea is if you donate to, say, Ron DeSantis, well, he drops out. He's got the war chest. So all that money you gave to Ron DeSantis, well, that would go to lawyers for Trump defendants, right? Because that's why you would donate. Your first pick is, well, I want to see Ron DeSantis get elected president. But if you're not going to use that money to get elected president, then I want to make sure it goes to Rudy Giuliani so he stays out of prison. Right? So all that money in the war chest, not don't use it for down ballot candidates or maybe running for governor. Uh, you, do, you, know, you donate to Vivek Ramaswamy. He drops out and your money goes to paying the legal fees for all the January 6th defendants. Isn't that a great idea? Matt Schlapp loved the idea so much, he tweeted it out. Look, this is an actual tweet from Matt Schlapp, the brilliant Matt Schlapp. The sooner we unify behind a nominee, that sooner we can use resources to fund the defenses of everyone indicted for being a Trump Republican. This is, this is become, hmm, 
That doesn't seem like, is he drinking? This has become about a bigger principle than just one man. Wow. And then you'll notice right down there, pow, this tweet was deleted by the tweet author. Yeah. It's a good idea. Then he kind of, he, I don't know, the, the, the grammar. I mean, head of CPAC, this has become about a, this is become about a bigger principle than just one man. Uh, was he drinking? Does he drink too much? I mean, that's what I hear. That's what's being discussed about Matt Schlapp. I don't know if it's true that the head of CPAC, Matt Schlapp, is a knockdown, dragout alcoholic. I have no idea. I'm just saying, I'm just asking, is Matt Schlapp, uh, 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 does he need to go into rehab? Because uh, I'm guessing he took the tweet down after he remembered that he himself is under investigation over at CPAC for misusing the funds of the donors who give to CPAC. The uh, longtime treasurer for the American Conservative Union, which is behind CPAC, he resigned about three months ago after raising concerns that Matt Schlapp was paying his legal fees incurred legal fees that were incurred uh, because of an ongoing sexual assault lawsuit that he's got going. Did I mention that family man, the head of CPAC, uh, Christian, devout Christian, conservative, Matt Schlapp, uh, has been accused of uh, sexual assault uh, by a man? That doesn't make any sense. He's a Matt Schlapp is a conservative Republican. Well, Your Honor, dismiss the case. How could Matt Schlapp sexually assault a man? This, he's a Republican. Republican, they're against the LGBTQ community. Case dismissed. Makes no sense to me. This is what New York Magazine reported. Uh, Bob Beauprez. It's a good name. He's got president. He was the longtime treasurer for the American Conservative Union, CPAC's uh, board of directors, right? CPAC, American uh, Conservative Union, ACU, CPAC. Uh, he said he could not deliver a financial report for CPAC at the upcoming board meeting with any confidence in the accuracy of the numbers. Uh, apparently there was, he thought that perhaps the uh, fiscally conservative Republican, Matt Schlapp, was spending something close to $300,000 of CPAC's money on Benjamin Chu, the lawyer who served as Johnny Depp's lawyer in one of the defamation lawsuits involving Amber Heard. So if you donated to CPAC, there's a distinct possibility that the money was going towards this ridiculous lawsuit charging Matt Schlapp with sexually assaulting another man, which is impossible because Matt Schlapp is the head of CPAC. So that means he's a family man. He talks about Christian values. He says he's the father of five angels. Uh, how could he be sued by a male staffer who worked on Herschel Walker's Senate campaign in Georgia last year? That can't be true. Uh, I hope he's going to sue him for defamation. The male staffer accuses Matt Schlapp of getting drunk and repeatedly grabbing his quote unquote junk. He says he pounded my junk. He pounded my junk. Well, nonstop groping is what he's accused of. It's an $8 million sexual assault lawsuit. The staffer, male, man, says Matt Schlapp, man, Republican man, Matt Schlapp, 
took advantage of the power dynamic and kept trying to get him up to his hotel room. Well, of course he took advantage of the power dynamic. He's a Republican. I mean, I mean, who am I to judge? But if you're working for Herschel Walker and you're a Republican, why would you be surprised that a white man gets drunk and uses the power dynamic to get you up to his hotel room? If this is true, but I don't think it's true because Matt, why would Matt Schlapp pound the junk of a man? He's married. Uh, I mean, Matt Schlapp opposes same-sex marriage. He's, he's a big fan of Viktor Orban, the fascist leader of Hungary. He invited Viktor Orban to speak at CPAC last year. Uh, Ron DeSantis, you know, Matt Schlapp loves Ron DeSantis and doesn't seem to have a problem with the don't say gay bills and the fact that one of the country's leading LGBT groups has issued a travel warning for Florida saying it's not safe for the LGBTQ community. So I don't understand what's going on here. How could Matt Schlapp be gay? I mean, that's what people are saying. Uh, and that's what people are suing. People are saying and people are suing that Matt Schlapp is gay, but uh, I don't believe it. How could he be married and have kids and be against same-sex marriage if people are suing and people are saying that Matt Schlapp is gay? Wow, I'm so confused. Just like Matt Schlapp. Yeah, very dangerous people. Very dangerous. Read about Ernst Röhm, the head of the SA under Adolf Hitler. These are the kind of people who Adolf Hitler loved to surround himself with. They have a secret. They're disposable. They're malleable. Everyone, everyone around Donald Trump has a little secret, and they don't want it out. They do as they're told because they have a secret. Donald Trump won't do business with you unless he knows your secret. The entire Republican Party is filled with people who have secrets. And that's why they march in goose step. Read about Ernst Rome. Matt Schlapp. I can't stress this enough. When it comes to Republican politics and their transgressions, it's love the sin, hate the sinner. That's my policy. Love the sin, hate the sinner. And I do hate these people because they get innocent people killed and beaten up, tied to white picket fences and left to die overnight. There are evil people in this world. Now, they can change if they try to, but if they drink and remain in the closet and try to kill in others what they want to kill inside of themselves, they're evil, they're sick, and they're dangerous. And there's a place for them. Well, hell, but before they get there, prison, prison where this guy belongs, John Eastman, the lawyer indicted for writing those memos, right? The memos uh, that served as the blueprint for the fake elector scheme, as well as uh, the blueprint for trying to convince Mike Pence that he was well within his legal right to refuse to certify the election on January 6th. John Eastman and I'm not making this up. He's 32 years old. He's aged. That I'm kidding. Uh, he's doing a nice impersonation of Jack Benny there. If you don't know who Jack Benny is, listen to his radio show. He was the best. Um, anyway, Jack Benny. No, John Eastman. <sighs> it's hot. John Eastman uh, agreed on Monday to surrender before the Fulton County DA, and he will post uh, 
a $100,000 bond. And I've been talking a lot about this guy because he's a Harvard Law School graduate, Kenneth Cheesebro. And on Monday, he reportedly posted a $100,000 bond and agreed to surrender. He's one of the people indicted last week. And new video has surfaced uh, over at CNN. It's of Kenneth Cheesebro. Did I call him John Cheesebro? His name is Kenneth Cheesebro. Uh, over the weekend, CNN, their K-Files, found video of Kenneth Cheesebro, Cheesebro tailing Alex Jones on January 6th and joining him as Jones led Trump supporters up the steps of the U.S. Capitol. Like Alex Jones, Cheesebro did not enter the Capitol. We don't think. There's no video of that. But Cheesebro had been asked by the January 6th committee if he participated in the protests that day, and Cheesebro pled the fifth. He's an interesting case. He's flown under the radar. And how does somebody like this end up that way? The Washington Post reports that Cheesebro has now moved to Puerto Rico. The Guardian reports that after graduating from Harvard Law School, Cheesebro opened up a law firm near the college and began practicing a type of law that had liberal leanings. He would sue corporations. He donated to Democrats like Barack Obama. And he even assisted the legal team working for Al Gore in 2000 during Florida's recount. The Guardian says Cheesebro told friends he made millions investing in Bitcoin right around the time Donald Trump uh, became president. Suddenly, Cheesebro had a couple of million dollars in cryptocurrency and his politics, according to The Guardian, took a 180-degree turn. He began working with John Eastman, challenging the Constitution's concept of birthright citizenship. This is something that Republicans are obsessed with. If you're born in America, if, you, if you're a migrant and you're pregnant and you give birth to a child in America, that child is automatically a citizen. Uh, so the Republicans call them anchor babies. So they're trying to rewrite the Constitution or reinterpret. If you can't rewrite the Constitution, just reinterpret it. You know, like the Second Amendment. Just, no, this is what the Second Amendment says. And uh, so that's what he was working on, trying to prove that the concept of birthright citizenship is bogus. And then immediately after the 2020 presidential election, Cheesebro got contacted by the Trump campaign's lawyer in Wisconsin. And he began, Cheesebro began to work on challenging Biden's win in Wisconsin. And within weeks, he got sucked into writing memos along with John Eastman on how to stage the phony elector scheme Memos on how to present a legal argument for postponing the certification of the presidential election on January 6th. In his memos, Cheesebro specifically says how this scheme would create so much anger on January 6th uh, that the streets would be, there would be, this would whip up so much anger. Congress would have to postpone the certification that would buy Trump more time to try and get the election decided by Congress where Trump would win. Uh, so the video of Cheesebro participating in these protests on January protests, I'm sorry, the insurrection on January 6th, he's trailing Alex Jones intimately. It proves that this indicted co-conspirator Kenneth Cheeseborough was doing more than sitting at his computer and trying to imagine ways to short circuit the law. He was actively participating, not necessarily in the rioting that took place, but he was actively participating in the intimidation, you know, getting through the police barriers, 
on January 6th, making it to the top of the Capitol steps. In other words, the video shows that Kenneth Cheesebro was actively trying to prevent the government from performing its constitutional responsibilities. You know, there's another word for responsibility. What, what is it again, Governor DeSantis? Duty. Yes. The duty, their constitutional duty. Uh, the election was supposed to be certified on January 6th. These people try to stop that from happening. It's against the law to do that. And they need to be put away for life. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. I'll give the last word to Governor Ron DeSantis. Duty. Yes, you are. That's what you're a piece of. Uh, did I mention I'm two years old? <laughs>